So it was the second semester of my sophomore year of college, and I arrived back to campus late to the worst semester of school I think I ever have done in my life. I just remember being so stressed the whole time. College usually is not like this. That's a disclaimer. Um, But I overloaded myself. Uh, It just seemed like no matter what I did, something else was being dumped onto my plate. I was having trouble finding time to sleep, having trouble finding time to eat. Honestly, it was pretty awful. I had this deep-seated dread the entire time that if I didn't succeed in every single one of my classes, I wouldn't have enough knowledge or would not have the high enough GPA that I needed to stay in my degree program. Have you ever had a time when you were stressed? Maybe you were transitioning. Uh, You made that jump from middle school to high school. Uh, Maybe you move from one place to another. Uh, Maybe you're learning how to drive a car. That is a transition. Uh, If you're anything like me, these things make you feel a little bit stressed. But sometimes we're stressed for other reasons. We get stressed because we're afraid that we won't have enough of certain things as well, right? Maybe you're afraid that you won't have enough knowledge for college. Uh, Maybe one of your friends is moving away and you're kind of afraid that you aren't gonna have enough relationships around you in your life. Again, when we face situations like this, it's very normal for us to feel stressed. We're currently in our series, Obstacles to Faith, and we're discussing these things as Christians that uh, come and they, they hit us hard, and they can serve as like a barrier to our spiritual growth. We're talking about stress this week, and we're going to dive into Deuteronomy 8. So Deuteronomy 8 is at this really interesting point in the Bible. So first book of the Bible is Genesis. We hear the creation account. We hear what the big problem is. We hear about sin. Uh, And then we see God slowly starting to work through this family called Israel. Exodus, we see then Israel is in captive. They are slaves in Egypt. God brings them out and establishes them as his people. Leviticus is all about how to worship God well. Numbers is a ton of census data that is more interesting than just reading numbers. But uh, anyway, and then now we hit Deuteronomy. Now, Deuteronomy happens after Israel has come out of Egypt, but they're waiting to go to where God has uh, a place for them, this promised land. Uh, And Moses is giving these speeches. They're his last speeches as a kind of spiritual and political leader before he dies and the rest of the nation enters the promised land. These are weighty words for a pivotal transition in Israel's history And we can learn from them when we face transitions ourselves and other stressful situations. We're going to follow Moses as he talks about the past, or the present, explains it with the past, and then looks forward to the future. So the passage starts out with Moses urging the Israelites, the whole commandment that I command you today, you shall be careful to do that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land that the Lord swore to give your fathers. What is Moses doing? Well, he's locating what he's about to say in the context of the rest of his speech. So he's looking back. He's looking back at Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 through 5, which is probably the most comprehensive commandment that God ever gives, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, 
and soul and strength. He's also looking back at the Ten Commandments. Uh, Moses grounds following these commands in the current situation. Israel is right on the edge. They're about to experience God's promises. Moses wants them to experience the joy of the promised land. But then Moses shifts. He moves from this current moment in Israel's story to history. Moses discusses the past. Next slide. Uh, It says, and you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he may humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothing did not wear out, and your foot did not swell these 40 years. So this backwards look brings the last 40 years into focus. So remember, 40 years before, Israel had also been standing at the edge of the promised land. 40 years before, they had actually sent people into the promised land to take a look at it, see what God was going to give them. But instead of faithfully following God, Israel got cold feet, and they turned around and decided to disobey. And then God sends them into the wilderness um, for another 40 years to wander. Despite Israel's distrust, their unfaithfulness to God, God remained faithful to Israel. Through these 40 years between the failed entrance into the promised land and this new attempt to enter, Israel uh, was utterly dependent on God. Uh, The wilderness in Israel looks like this. We have a couple of slides. Okay, so this is the area that they were wandering. Um, Next one. It looks like Mars. It really does. Like, they will shoot uh, movies based on Mars in this area. It is, it's pretty incredible. Next slide. There you go. Notice you don't see anything green. If you don't know where water is, if you don't know where food is in this area, you just, you die. It's bad news. There isn't enough rain for farming. Uh, There are few food and water sources. So Israel had to rely on God for baseline subsistence. Talk about a situation that would stress most of us out, right? Getting food and getting water was beyond Israel's control. This was done to humble Israel. Remember Deuteronomy 8.3, it says, And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that you might know that man does not live by bread alone, but lives on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. The Hebrew term translated to humble is a very, very strong term. Uh, Israel has been through something very difficult. The lack of of food to learn something about their God. God was forcing Israel to trust him. He was helping them realize that what God says has Power, power over and above an otherwise lethal situation. There was no option but to trust God, and God was faithful. If you were in the wilderness and you were hungry, you didn't see anything to eat, but then you saw God miraculously provide food for you, this manna, 
you would hopefully learn to trust God, wouldn't you? Maybe you've had a similar situation. You've, you've felt like you were at the end of your rope and, that, and you saw God come through in an amazing way. Sometimes when we are at the end of the rope, it is easiest for us to realize just how utterly dependent on God we actually are. Uh, we understand this when we get like medical diagnoses that we just don't know what to do with. Uh, when you need that one grade in your class and then you end up with a very, very different one that happens. Um, or when a relationship with another person just kind of crumbles, right? Sometimes in these situations, people get stressed and it really harms their relationship with God. But still others will actually run to God. He becomes the most important reality in their lives and they learn to trust him And when God acts faithfully towards you, the first or the 30th or the 100th time, we, like Israel, realize that God's decree is the source of all life. But now we hit verses 5 and 6. So we, we saw the last 40 years. Now we get the purpose, right? It says, Know in your heart that as a man disciplined brings up his son, the Lord disciplines you so that you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and by fearing him. So the verses that we have now look backwards. They interpret why Israel has been through what they just went through. But it also looks forward, right? We, we have this question, if Israel's experience in the wilderness was like childhood, what's going to come next? What does the future hold Israel is transitioning. How different will this future be than what the Israelites have previously experienced? Moses takes the present moment, he explains it with the past, and then he looks forward to the future. He's sitting down with the Israelites, telling them what is going to come in the next life stage of their nation. We were about 12 and 10 when my older brother and I were allowed to kayak by ourselves in the little pond across from our house uh, for the first time. And it was really awesome. And though we had some, uh, some rules that our parents gave us before we were ever allowed to go out, there was this bridge at the south end of the pond. And we weren't allowed to go past it. Why? Because about 200 yards beyond the bridge was the dam, right? our parents were afraid that we would get caught up in the current that we couldn't see and then sucked through the dam if we went under that bridge. That never ends well. So we had to remember the rule, don't go beyond the bridge, but we also had to remember the people behind the rule, the love and the respect that, our parents had sh- or that we had for our parents and the love that our parents had shown us over so many years. Israel is about to receive a ton of good things from God. They're going to have this newfound ability to thrive and to enjoy the promised land. Look at this beautiful picture that Moses paints for Israel in verses 7 through 10. It says, For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs, flowing out of the valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees, of pomegranates, a land of olive trees and honey, a land 
in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper. And you shall eat and be full, and you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land that he has given you. Now this is just about the polar opposite of what the Israelites had previously experienced. Remember, surface of Mars, right? Not a good place to be. Now they're going into the promised land with all of its wealth and goodness. Israel, though, doesn't have a good track record. We have to ask this question, will they, will they handle their future well? And there, it's interesting, there are two events highlighted in this passage. There's manna, which we talked about a little bit. Um, it is this miraculous provision of food for Israel that God gave them. And then a little bit later in the passage, water in the rock comes out. Now, in both of these scenarios, Israel failed miserably. God provided for them, uh, but Exodus 16 discusses how Israel ignored God's commandments regarding manna collection and then suffered consequences for it. And then the reason why Moses himself is going to die outside of the promised land is because he didn't properly honor God when water came from the rock. Moses in this moment has reason to be concerned. God has humbled Israel and provided for them. However, in both instances, people flippantly disregarded God. Some group or individual uh, did not heed what God said and subsequently learned the hard way that God ought not be shrugged off. The things that we look to to provide for us cannot provide for us apart from God. Similarly, the things that we think cannot provide for us can, in fact, provide for us if it is God's will. So Moses sees a new danger, actually, as he stands at the edge of the promised land. But the danger isn't like what they had just experienced in the wilderness. The danger is actually prosperity. Now, we generally don't think that prosperity is like this bad thing. We don't think, I have food. What a danger. We don't say, I have material wealth. Uh-oh. I have water. What a bummer, you know? No, most of us spend so much of our time trying to get these things. If we don't think we're going to be able to get them, we actually get stressed out. Moses sees something. He sees that sometimes one of the most dangerous things for people is for them to get everything that they want. Why? Because when we get everything we want, we may realize that we didn't really want God all that much in the first place. Moses seems to be asking this question to the Israelites. Did you just want bread? Or did you want the God behind the bread? Did you just want water? Did you want the God behind the water? Is your God God? Or is your God your stomach? It's a probing question, isn't it? It's a probing question for Israel. But if we're honest, it's a pretty probing question for us as well. Will Israel getting what it leads, or getting what it wants, lead to it as a nation forgetting God? Will we, getting what we want, lead us to 
forget God. The problem is not that God's going to give Israel bad things. No, God's giving them very, very good things. But the problem for Israel is the exact same problem that we have today. It's the human heart. It's the the heart that turns good things into ultimate things and all too easily forgets God. Is God simply a means to an end? Or is he an end in himself? Is God simply someone you run to when you're experiencing discomfort? Or is he someone who catches your heart up in constant worship? Moses knows that there's a right answer to these questions. So he urges the nation of Israel, take care lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes, which I command you today, lest when you have eaten and are full and have built houses and live in them, and when your herds and flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart will be lifted up and you will forget the Lord your God, excuse me, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the land of slavery, who led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground, where there was no water, who brought you water out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna that your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and test you to do you good in the end. Moses is telling the Israelites, you've learned, you have a very humble place before God. God holds all things. God provides all things. Israel is to remember a very humble and even powerless state as they enter into the promised land and begin to cultivate it. God taught Israel the way that the world actually works. He does not want them to become proud and self-deceived again, forgetting the progress that they made those long 40 years. So Moses, again, clearly expresses his concern in verses 17 and 18. He says, Beware! Lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth, that, you may, or that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is this day. This is fascinating, isn't it? Right? Moses is saying, you know that miraculous food that you ate in the wilderness? That's not all that much of an anomaly. That's not weird, Right? God provided for you in the wilderness. God will also provide for you in the promised land. In both cases, God provides. Don't miss that. God provides. The last two verses, verses 19 and 20, are absolutely chilling. We get these occasionally in the Bible. And uh, yikes. It says, and if you forget the Lord your God and go after other gods and serve and worship them, I solemnly warn you today, you shall surely perish like the nations that the Lord makes to perish before you. So shall you perish because you did not obey the voice of the Lord your God. Moses is saying to Israel, if you abandon God, it will be as if you are also abandoned. If you forget God, it will be as if you are also forgotten, cut off from the source of life leading to your perishing. The passage starts and ends 
with Moses urging the Israelites, keep the commands of God. Why? Because for every command that people break, it reveals that they have forgotten something of God himself. They have forgotten something of the beauty and the love and the joy and the sustenance that comes from God. God is the ultimate source of life. So maybe you're thinking to yourself, I thought we were talking about stress. Who is this random intern guy who gets up while Siler's gone, takes us to an Old Testament passage after telling us that we're going to talk about stress, and this passage doesn't use the word stress once? Is he crazy? Maybe. Um, Honestly, though, I think we can learn a lot from this passage. Moses is telling Israel they're going to get a ton of good things. That's true. Things seem to be on the up and up. Also true. But remember, we get stressed in two situations. Situations where we don't feel like we're going to have enough of something and situations where we are transitioning. First, we get uh, stressed out in transition. Israel has been wandering in the wilderness. Remember, now, not any water, surface of Mars, can't farm it. Now they're hooking Bessie the cow up to a plow, and they're expecting to farm for the rest of their lives to eat. That sounds a little stressful to me. I'd be worried. That is a transition. What can we learn from that? Well, we can learn this. As we transition into new phases, we remember who God is. Again, as we transition into new phases, we remember who God is. What do we remember about God? Well, we look back. We look back at events like the Exodus, God bringing Israel out of slavery. We see that God was faithful to them. Uh, We as Christians somehow share in the history of Israel. God's faithfulness to Israel is faithfulness to us. We also, though, look back at Jesus. We look back at the ways that God was so dedicated to providing for us that he came, that he died, and served as a sacrifice for our sins. Don't forget your God. Whatever the next transition is in your life, whether that's just jumping to the next grade, whether that's going off to college, whether that's getting a job, do not forget God. The God who can take care of you in the wilderness can take care of you in the promised land. The God who can take care of you in the promised land can take care of you in the wilderness. This does not mean that it will be easy. This does not mean that it will always be comfortable. This does mean that we can rest in the knowledge that God is fully capable of sustaining us. So when we're stressed, we remember who God is. We remember the beauty and the goodness and the love and the sustenance that comes from God himself. Other times we're stressed for another reason. We're stressed because we don't feel like we have enough of something, right? Food, water, shelter. Yes, people get stressed about those things, but also great, maintaining friendships. Sometimes we're stressed 
out because we don't feel like we have enough time for all of the things on our plate. So why Deuteronomy 8? Well, Israel's walking out of a time where they have felt like they haven't had enough. Do you know what they're able to do? They're able to look back at all of the ways that God provided for them. They look back at the stressful time and they see God. This passage shows us that even in stressful situations in life, God provides. Remember, I started out kind of talking about that sophomore year of college. I felt super stressed. God provided in like the strangest way ever for me that semester. We actually got an extra week off. It was because of COVID, right? I don't think God allowed a worldwide pandemic for my college degree. Like, no. But he did provide for me. He gave me just enough time to finish all of my assignments that I needed to get done on time. He worked in a surprising and unprecedented way. He gave me exactly what I needed. He can provide for your needs too. Rest in that. Let's pray.